Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Of, of, of this altar that which you have given us, that we say, let your name be glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that your grace will that it be upon our life in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, blessed Father. In Jesus' most wonderful name, we are praying. Amen. 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 Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's have our seats, please. God bless us all in the name of Jesus. Just to let us know that there will be some prayers that I would, we will have to say together at 12 o'clock. So we would pause the sermon at the time, just take those prayer points at 12 as God has instructed us to do, then we will proceed. May God answer our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ. One other thing that God has said is that during the seven days passing of prayer, it's important that everybody has a bottle of oil and water for themselves. I guess the family can have one um, for those periods of of prayers. So the, the, like, as, as, as it has been announced, the prayers start on the 6th of, November, of December going on throughout that week. And so, you know, we would start off the summer and maybe in 10 minutes we just rise up to have some prayers as God has directed us. And we will continue. I would first say that I'm not too surprised at how God is, is I, am, I am happy at how God is leading, especially the issues around prayer. Because, you know, I believe as we are coming closer even to that month, or even to that time of week of prayer, God is, is, God is trying to build us and gather us together, even as a church, as we come closer and closer to that week. We have, and you know, especially the prayers that have been sent to me that God said we should pray. You wait as the sermon goes on, you probably understand why God is pointing at those prayers to be said. Why God is pointing at those prayers to be said. You know, we uh, last week we started off to talk about the priesthood. We started from last week to talk about our priesthood. And one thing I, you know, we we kind of explained a couple of things around priesthood, the desires of God to always raise a nation of priests. And last week I tried to explain that priesthood. The priest, the nation of priests does not mean every one of them will be in the church. In fact, that was not the intention of God. That's why he said there will be a nation of priests. And we I I we shared we shared the scripture that talks about one of this um, of the children of Israel that was an that was an um, is artisan or somebody that builds house out things. And the Bible says that the spirit of God, God said, I have given him my spirit. So that you'll be able to do, you'll be able to make designs. So 
as far as God is concerned, even in his own field, as what he was doing, he was standing there as a priest. So when God would say, because, because if everybody of us was supposed to be a priest as we know it now, then, then, then what we have in Second Peter, can we just go on please? Sorry. Um, Second Peter, we would, or is it, um, yes, First Peter, sorry, First Peter chapter 2. The Bible says that from verse 5 to 9, it says, You also are like living stones built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So God is building something and he's gathering everyone up. And his aim is that he would be a holy priesthood. And the Bible says that to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. We'll come back to that much later. But he says that, he said, for in, for in, for in scriptures, it says, I laid, I laid a stone in Zion, a chosen, a chosen and a precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So let's just go to verse 9, just because of our time, but we're coming back to that. He now says that, verse 9, he said, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special possession, that you may declare the praise of him that has called you out of darkness into his, into his wonderful light. So we, we were saying that, you know, when God said, and if, if this scripture were to be, be interpreted the way we may see that, oh, priests are those in the church, then you can, you can, we cannot all be a nation of priests. So the intention of God, when he began to talk to them about being a nation of priests, he was, he was, to, ensure, he, he was, he was to tell them that, you know, you would be, a nation that would, a, a people that would be, that would bring the nature or that would bring the, um, the, 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 um, the interaction of heaven to earth, wherever you are. And when you go to Exodus, please just go to Exodus, I'm trying to get my slides up here. When you go to Exodus, it says 19, um, Five, he says, I said, now if you obey me fully and keep my commandments, then you out of all nations will be my treasured possession. Or, although the whole earth is mine, he said, you would be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. You will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And last week we were we got to the point where, where we spoke about the fact that the fact that, that that this thing changed, and I show us where it changed. When God chose the people of the, the, the Levites, he said, I wanted to make all of you priests, but now I'm going to minimize it down to the Levites. And it wasn't because the Levites were chosen from God. It was that God, when Moses came down from, from the... Um, um, from the mountain, and they were all worshipping idols. And Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? It was only the Levites, that is the group of the Levites, that, that left the whole people of Israel and came to Moses. And that was how God said, you know, these people that can stand for me, they would be Levites before me. So, Levites was, were never the intention of God to have a special set of people. 
that will be that will be called priest. And you know, we 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 discussed all of this last week. So as we begin to get to the point, it's important that as we are looking at, we're trying to find out what is the implication of our priesthood. When the Bible says you are a royal priesthood, there is an that statement carries an implication. It is not that God just wants to give you a wonderful name and it sounds good. So the, 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 the issue as we begin to look forward is that when God declared us a nation of priests, what is the implication of that statement? What is the implication of that statement? And as I shared with us last week, when God was speaking to the children of Israel, I'm sorry, to, to speaking to the disciples here, he, when he said, you are a nation of priests, he was speaking to people, he remember that these people were Jews and understood what a priest would do. What is the job of a priest? So as we begin to look at it even more closely, and we begin to ask ourselves, what is the implication of my of my priesthood? You know why? One, one of the things that why it's important for you to know the for me and you to know the implication of it. When God, when you stand before God, He will not ask you about any other thing than your role as a priest. So you know, He did not say God did not you. And again, like I have defined it from the beginning, we said last week, we spoke too much last week, is to understand that priesthood is not only turning up in church and standing in front of the altar. That is not priesthood. Pri you are a priest, but priesthood is a nation, a gathering of people. So when God would ask you and I, when we stand before him, he would ask you the question to say that, what did you do with your priesthood? But if you, we do not understand what the implications are, then we will not be able to resolve. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Just before, as we said, is that God has asked us to do some prayers at 12 o'clock. I beg of you, by the message of God, we will just quickly do those prayers. Then we will move on into our sermon. I do apologize. It's just the way things have come out. Please let us rise up for a few moments.
language. Judah became sanctuary and Israel is dominion. The sea saw it and fled, and Jordan turned back. The mountains keep like rams, and the little hills like rams. What ails you, you all see that you fled, O Jordan, that you turned back? O mountains that you have split like rams, and little hills like, like rams. Tremble at the hearts, O, o, o Lord, and praise of the Lord, and praise of God of Jacob, who are turned of rock into a pool of water, and, and the fleet into, into fountains of water. Peter just tell God, Father, Lord, we pray for the healing of our land. Father, we pray for the healing of our land. Lord, we pray for the healing of our land. Father, you would heal our land, you would heal the world. Noah built an altar 
and made sacrifice of animals. And when you look at the sacrifice of animals that he made, the Bible called them clean animals. The Bible called them clean animals. So what am I trying to point out is this. At the point where Noah was trying to get God again to look and align the, the world back to God, he took a priest, as it were, who would build an altar and provide sacrifice to God. And we have been speaking about is that why did the Bible, what, why, why, why was blood important? Blood was important was that because, and I, you know, I've explained it that when you see any kind of sickness that anybody has, can be traced to the blood. The only existence of a human being is his blood. A human being may, may live without a heart. Some people have, God help every one of us, some people leave their hearts. They use a machine to pump their heart or to make the, but let the blood stop or drain the blood out of a human being. That human being is gone. So what that means is that when blood was sucked, it was the life. It was like a life is lost. And the best way to cover that life is by blood. So the Bible says it began, it went to look for clean animals. Now, what does the Bible define as clean animals? When you I don't have it all, but you have it in Leviticus chapter 11, when when Leviticus chapter 11, when the Bible was giving more description about clean animals. Now, what the, what the Bible classified, what Noah classified as clean animals were animals that were close not to have been affected by the fall of man. So, the Bible will say that any animal that is not eating grass is unclean. Because animals were initially created to eat grass. It would say that if it's a, a um, if you, I think if you read um, Let's Cross 11, I think from verse 11, 9 or, 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 or 5, sorry, I, I don't have it all, but what I'm trying to say, it would say that that animal must have um, clothes or hooves. So that means that it must defeat, the natural feet must not touch the ground. So it must have something that is covering it. That is why you will see it's only goats. Um, goats and uh, cows that they use as, as as sacrifice. But any other animal that has been hitting human beings, like lions and things like that, they don't fall into uh, an instrument of, of because because the way Noah saw it, they have been perverted, the fall of man as as has caused an issue of them. The Bible even talk about even the fish. He has to have a particular fish because he has the scale has to be able to cover it, shield it as it were, from being polluted. So when the Bible calls them, so when the Bible says that he, he, he looked for animals that are clean, that doesn't mean you cannot eat anything that don't get me wrong. But it was the significance of what it was. So he took those blocked, he took the and and that he made them as a sacrifice. So he was saying, God, what is the cleanest thing that we can find 
to seek your face again on this earth. Then they looked, he looked around at the animals and he said, you know, let's look, these ones, they've not been corrupted. And that was why they were used as sacrifice. Does that make sense? So God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. So, you know, the mosquitoes corrupted because, you know, they don't drink much. Hallelujah. I think they are not corrupted in Nigeria than they are here. Amen. Now, one of the roles of a priest as we begin to look at the implication. So, what I'm not trying to say is that when the first implication that we saw in the day, in days of Noah is that the heart was, 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 was far away from God and it took one man to stand as a priest on that land and provide sacrifice to God. Now, when you go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says every high priest must be selected from, from among his people. From among the people. He is appointed to represent the people in the matters relating to God. So, so the Bible says to offer gifts and sacrifice. And the Bible says, says he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and astray, since he himself is subject to, to this weakness. Verse 3 says, that is why he offers sacrifice of sin. We're going to get here, but sin for his own sins and the sins of others. Now, this is why, one of the reasons why the, why the priesthood of Christ is greater than the priesthood of Aaron. Can you imagine if Aaron was still our high priest today? Do you know the implication? If service was 30 minutes, if Aaron had been seen for the whole week, Aaron would first of all spend 30 minutes pleading to God for his own sins before he remembers other people. <laughs> so that's why God was saying, see, that priesthood was corrupted because he needs to first of all appeal for his own sins before he remembers others. So if you were to follow the Aaronic priesthood and Aaron was standing there asking God for forgiveness of sin for the next and they say our service has finished every other person will have to go home with their sin. So that is why when you have the priesthood of Jesus, he did not need to deal with his own sin because he was sinless. So he had every time to focus on the sins of other people. Does that make sense? So, but what we are looking at here is that is that the priest is the priest is the man that God expects to stand in the gap for others. But in our own priesthood, we also have to, it is not only others, but me and others. Now, the priesthood, that's why when you see Paul is talking to Timothy, Paul will say to Timothy, Paul will say that, you know, this, 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 um, this word that I've given you, preach it to save your own self and others. So that means that the, the way of pastoring as far as God is concerned, 
is that you save yourself and you save others. You don't save others and leave yourself. Does that make sense? So that means that you don't you don't preach something that you are not first of all preached to yourself. And if you do that, God is also okay with it. Because at least he's gaining. <laughs> By the time you bring 50 to him, you lose yourself then. It's, it's good maths. God will help us in the name of Jesus Christ. But actually the mind of God is that you bring yourself and others before him. So as we as we continue to read on, so what, what we have first of all found out here is that the priest is selected from among his people. So that means that every priest that would that would that God would raise in a particular place has to be invested in that area. So that means that if God is expecting a priest to stand up in the field of music, he will not go and look for me to come and stand there. Because that is not my area. Does this make sense to us? So when, so when God is saying, I am raising priests, and I am expecting people to stand in different places that will represent me or represent the people for me. So in every area that God is intending to raise priests, he is believing that it has to be a place you have interest in. I was talking to a younger people who were, you know, who, who God is helping um, um, in the CNSO, and they called me to come and advise them on a couple of things, and I said to them, I, I am passionate about you know, as long as my whole role is first, you are first a Christian before you are a CRS person. You can't be a CRS person and be a Christian. It is, it is wrong for that. So, one of the things that was happening that day, when, when I spoke to them, there were some of them that were not fully invested in the fold. They were still doing other things outside, as in other food. I have no problems with it. But I said to them that day, God does not raise a priest from outside to come and help a people. That priest must come from within them. So if, you are, if God has sent you to this food, you cannot be coming from outside to come and help them. It is not scriptural. See, even let's even look at our culture in India. God cannot raise a white man to come and raise us. It has to be from within the people. That is the standard of scriptures. If you have somebody that comes, he's only coming to assist somebody within that system to rise. Do you want to also know that in your family, a priest cannot come from outside? The priest has to rise up from within. A priest from outside can only equip you so that you can rise up in your own household. So all this idea of priesthood of people gallivanting, crisscrossing, cross-carpeting from one place to another, you know, 
your priesthood, you are responsible for the priesthood of your household. Does that make sense to us? So God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says, he must be forced from among them. He must be forced from among them. Let's go on please to um, is it, um, sorry. He said, he said, and your uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, 28 to 31, the Bible says, and your prophets will cover them by announcing false vision. And um, he said, they, they say the message is from, is, is from the sovereign Lord when the Lord has not spoken a single word to them. Now, what the Bible is saying, things are going wrong in a particular area. You know, people are prophesying. Saying things that God has not said, and the Bible says even the common people, even even the common, even the common people oppress the the poor, rob the needy, and deprive foreigners from justice. Let's go. And God was saying, no matter what you think is wrong in an environment, I am looking for someone who might stand, who might sorry, who might lead build the walls of righteousness that 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 guards the land I, I i sat for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so that i should not destroy the land but i found no so at times when so many people are complaining about different things god is saying i am looking for somebody Within that place, I will not go out. Who would stand up and be ready to do his own role as a priest in that environment? Does this make sense to us? You know, we our priesthood is, 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 has a local religion. Yes, there are people that God would raise to be priesthood over a general, but their job, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to empower other priesthood so that they can do the job. So that they can do the job. So God is saying, no, I am going to raise a priest. He said, when everything is going wrong, see, I am looking, you are looking at the prophets that are speaking rubbish, but I am actually looking for one person who would be able to stand and say, God, this is me. I am ready to stand in my role as a priest. I am ready to stand. As my roller, as my roller as a priest. See, no matter what it is in an environment, when see, you can blame God till tomorrow. I say, God, ah, see, everything is going bad in the world. God is saying, No, where is the priest? Because it is the priest that gives access to whatever heaven has. That's why when Jesus was telling us to pray, Jesus said, when you pray, you pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, as it is in heaven. So it is already done. So Jesus is saying, you are the priest. 
that will stand in the place of prayer or stand as your role as a priest over the land. I really want us to, you know, my mind has been so much towards prayer, so you know, I might not necessarily go a lot, a, a lot into, into, into details. But I just want to, first of all, you know, I'm just trying to make you see that as far as God is concerned, from Genesis down to God is always looking for somebody who would be ready to stand as a priest. I know that at times people say that, ah, you know, I, you know, I have my own issues, Daddy. I was, I was watching uh, a life uh, program, and I don't know if anybody knows this guy, Theophilos, he's a worship leader. Um, and Theophilos was singing a particular song, I forgot the fact that, but it was just like, it was more or less like the song that we were singing today, about I surrender Jesus, you alone, I surrender all, and things like that. And the whole place was, everybody was in the spirit, and everybody was singing that song, we surrender all, until when, until when Theophilus began to step as, as God has blessed him, began to step further, deeper into worship, and the whole place went quiet. <laughs> because he was saying that, he was saying, his song is out that you, you can do you in public so you see it. The, um, he was saying that the song was, I think if I get the lyrics, I was saying that um, I will not bow to idols. I will not bow to you are what, even you are what dying for. No matter what it is, God, you are what dying for. I will not bow to idols. I will not bow to any other God. You are what dying for. People still sang that one with the beat. But you could see that the, the volume was going up. So when Theophilus began to further the worship, and, that, and it was only him that began to sing, you know, about 10,000 people, I don't remember that were there. And he began to say, And God, he said, he said, I have seen you saved before. I have seen you, you saved me so many times. But even if you choose not to save me, I will, you are worse than before. God, he said, God, he said, I have seen you raise the dead. I have seen you protect people. You have not protected me from an accident. But if I die and you refuse to save me, you are still my God. And the people that were saying, Jesus alone, everybody just calm, quiet, singing. On your so at times when you sing, sing all these songs, when when God brings you interpretation of what you're saying, you probably say, ah, well, that was not what we we're talking about. That's not what we we're talking about. So what am I trying to point out here is this: as a priest, one the first thing you need to understand the Bible says we are created for His pleasure. Not for your own pleasure. Not for my own pleasure. My own pleasure is that he has pleasure. My own pleasure is that God has pleasure. So let's just, I'm just going to just share, share a scripture with us. 
um, just because of our time, you know, um, um, uh, Matthew chapter 13. You know, Jesus first of all started off by talking about a parable. And Jesus said that a sower goes out and he sows seed. And he began to say that some, some, uh, some, um, some grow, some get crushed, and things like that. And Jesus began to explain to them what the, what the, um, the, the, uh, the, the proverb is about. And the Bible says then, listing, listing them to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom of God, now that is, you are sitting now, I am here, or we are hearing from God, and the Bible says, and he does not understand it. He said, the evil one comes and snatches, he snatch, and snatches away from what was sown in their hearts. So what does that mean? That means that the seed that is being sown in the first set of parables is the word of God. The ground is the people. So it's, it's, our, it's our hearts. Does that make sense? So the Bible now says, God now goes on to say that, you know, some people here, without the issues of life, the, the word is taken away. The devil comes, takes away some of it. They now say that there are some people who the seed fall on good ground. The Bible says they would have, they would have results, 10, 10, they would have um, 10 folds and things like that. Do we get to that point? So I'm just trying to cut a lot, a, lot, a lot of things out. Then Jesus now proceeded to another set of parables in that same chapter. The first chapter, sorry, the first scenario of the sower, it is the word being preached. And the hearts of people are at the ground. So in all those sets, there is one of them that became a good ground that the seed germinated. Do you get what So let us assume that every one of us here, by God's grace, is the one that the seed has germinated in their hearts. Do we get to that point? So Jesus now went further and now took that seed that has germinated, that person that the seed has germinated. And he now said, this one, let, let us now proceed this parable and move it further into another dimension. So you will go to, if you go to um, uh, verse 30, 36, just go to verse 36, please. Then he left the crowd and he went into the house. House, His disciples came to him and said, explain to us, the parable of the weed and the feed, and uh, the weed and the feed. So what happened was that Jesus told another parable. I'm so sorry. Let me just go back to um, verse. Yeah, let, let's just leave that one. Okay, so Jesus told another parable. If you read that Matthew 13, true. He said that he now said that a sower again went out. He said he sowed seed in the ground. And please note that he first of all talked about a particular sower that sowed the seed in that same chapter. He now went again and said, a sower now went out and he sowed the seed in that ground. And as he sowed the seed, he said, the Bible says he slept. And by the time he woke up, 
An enemy has planted something there. Now, so let us see what Jesus said to them. The Bible says, he says, he left the house and he said, he said, um, he said, he said, the, and he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. So, you are being fed. God is helping us. We are, we are being fed. So, God now looks at this one. You have, let's say, Sister Chade as an example. Sister Chade has fully grown. Previous one, good ground. So, if God now says, Jesus will now come and pluck Sister Chade and go and sow her in another ground. And the Bible says that he, he sowed he sold it, in the, uh, which is the son of man, and the field now is not the heart. Not the first field was your heart. The second field is the world. Does this make sense to us? The second field was the world. world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. So God expects, after you have been fed in the church, he will now pluck you and go and plant you in the world. If, so before he plucks you, so people think that after you have dominated 10 fold, 50 fold, 100 fold, God is saying, ah, well done. No, you are now ready for the next phase. The next phase is now that he plucks that fruit, uh, that seed, and goes to go and plant it where? In the world. That means that first, if the world is not planted into you first, you cannot be planted into the world. Or you plant yourself. But Jesus said, the son of man, when he's planting people, he makes sure the world is planted into you. Then now carries you and goes to go and plant you in the world. Does this make sense to us? Why? Because he's looking for a priest that will stand in that field for him. So the Bible says that it says that stands for and the weeds are the people of the evil one. So what Jesus is saying is that after I plant you somewhere, there is guarantee that the devil will also come and plant his own people there. So he said, after that seed is planted, the devil will, the devil will also plant people everywhere. He looks for where the seed is. That one that is going to germinate to bring God, to bring God, God glory. He will not come and plant his own people or his own agenda next to the place. Does this make sense to us? So, you cannot, we cannot think to say that, why am I, why is my whole life? No, because you are planted. And some God, the devil is also strategic. As you are planted in that place, the devil will also look for his own package and plant them. 
Does this make sense to us? God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So he said that the last day they will come and pull out those weeds and they would go and throw them away and they would set them on fire. But the question is what happens in the meantime before the end time? Does that make sense? Because Jesus said, don't worry, just leave them, let them grow. When the time comes, we will not separate them. So what? How will that person survive? Am I, does this make sense to us? How will that person survive? And that is where we are coming to this place of understanding part of the equipment that you and I have as a priest. You and I have as a priest. So, because as God is planting me, see, he did not even say that God will ask you, do you like to be planted here? You get what I'm saying? He won't say that, do you like to be planted here? The Bible will say that, no, God will just plant you where he chooses. And the devil will follow that radar and say, plant here. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, you can remember that when we read that scripture that said that about false prophets and things like God was saying, I don't care, but all I'm looking for is my home there. Is there somebody who is willing to stand? And so, maybe your home case, maybe God has planted you in your family. Maybe God has planted you in your, in your career. Maybe God has planted you anywhere else where he has planted you. The issue is not to say, ah, God, why have you planted me here? No. But what God is expecting is somebody that will raise an altar for him. A priest that will say that I am here to bring the presence of God upon this area. And so as we as we go on, I'm just going to just share one uh, scripture with us. As we See, one of the things, okay, when the Bible says that a priest will go and, and represent people on behalf of all before God, what does that mean? What does that, what does that, uh, what does that, how do we see that? It's like somebody who stands to go and argue a case for people before God. So that means that you have, see, okay, in the Old Testament, one of the things that they do is that the priest will go into the holies of holies, where God is seated, where his throne is, and go and represent the cases before God. Now, at that place, the Bible calls it for us in the New Testament, Zion, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says here, the Bible says here that, the Bible says, but you have come to Zion, 
the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, you have come to a thousand upon thousands of angels in a joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. And you have come to, to God, the judge of all. So that means when he's sitting on a throne, God is a judge. Now, but when you appear before a judge, you must have a way to argue your case. There are, you don't, see, there is no, God, God is merciful. But God doesn't just, how do I put it now? God doesn't just, um, doesn't just overlook things and say, no, don't worry, that's, that's okay, you, you, you're right. No. Why? Because he will not be just. If God lets A go with mother and B, he says, it doesn't, you, the point that we are, I am selfish, so I think, ah, have you heard him say, I'm homo, baby, you might dip it alone. What God does is that if God was, could do that, he could, but if God chose to do that, as character, Jesus is going to die. But because Jesus died, shows me something that God, for God to take A from here, there's an equivalent of B. Does this make sense to us? So, as we come to this place, I am coming to, the Bible says that, he said, you have come to God the judge and to the spirit of righteousness made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the, to the sprinkled blood that speaks better words than the blood of Israel. Now, what we said was that blood is critical in the ministry of a priest. Because when God when, when, when one of the things that that blood does is that it speaks mercy over people. So God looks at the, the animal that died, the clean one, rather than their sin, and say, I forgive them. Does this make sense to us? Now, when we now come to the blood of sprinkling, what does the blood of sprinkling stand for? And why is it important in your journey and my journey as a priest? Because the blood of sprinkling allows you to make arguments before God. That's why the Bible says the blood of sprinkling speaks. So that means the blood of sprinkling comes as a weakness for you and me. Now, let me just share with us in a very brief moment the blood of speaking. How does it actually work? So what happened when you go to Exodus chapter 24, 4 to 8, Exodus 24, 4 to 8, the Bible says Moses wrote everything down the Lord has said and he got up early. So God gave him laws, contracts, and the Bible says that the, uh, the Bible says that 
uh, early, early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. Please note again, we have the altar there. And set 12 stones of pillar representing the children of Israel. Now, when you look at an altar, one of the things, if you go back to Exodus, discover that the, 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 um, the Hack of Covenant is what stands behind the altar. You know, when, when they come in, there is the bronze altar, you have the bronze altar, you have the altar of incense, then you have the Hack of Covenant. So you have the pre, you have him now standing, he has a, a uh, what's it called, an, an altar. Then the Bible says he now put 12 stones, which are, represents each tribe of Israel. Please follow what I'm trying to say. God bless us in the name of Jesus. The Bible says then, then he sent young, 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 young Israelites men, and they offered a burnt offering and sacrifice of young bulls as a fellowship offering to God. So, let's say this is the altar. They killed the animal, and they put it there, and the smell was going to God. So you can imagine God standing here. If you look at the, the Ark of um, the Ark of Covenant, God standing here, the children of Israel standing here, and there is this offering before them. So the Bible now says, let's go on, please. The Bible says, Moses now took half of the blood and put it in a bowl, and the other half is splashed against the altar. So, he puts, he, the Bible says that, please note that he did not sprinkle it. He poured it over, over it. So we have not come to the blood of sprinkling. So the Bible now says, then he took the book of covenant. Now, the book of covenant, you may say, or as they were having, was, was a Torah. But the book of covenant now is the Bible. So the Bible says now, he now said to you, he said, the Bible says, he read it to the people. Then they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said and we will obey. Then Moses took the blood of sprinkling, the, the, the blood, and sprinkled it on it. That means on the law and the people. He said, this is the blood of covenant that the God of Israel has made with you in accordance with all these words. What does that mean? Did you get what, are you, are you lost in the, the conversation? What happened is this. God gave them a contract. You cannot, your contract is not valid until you sign it. Even if you say, I am okay with it. Until there is a signature, that contract does not become valid. So after the people say, okay, this is what God said we should do, oh yes, we accept it, that blood of sprinkling was the blood, was the blood of contracts, calling to remembrance that there was a contract for these people. So how does that affect me as a Christian? Is that when Jesus came, he made some promises before God. He made some promises to us. There were some things that Jesus wrote and said. He said that, he said that those who follow me will not walk in darkness. 
So what happens is that when you come before God as a priest, the blood of sprinkling reminds God. It's as if you are before a judge. And the, 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 the person who, um, who was a witness to that signature said, you know, okay, this person is saying that you said to them that um, this person is claiming, let's say that this person is claiming that that even though if it's about to anybody that walks that follows me will not walk in darkness. That is right because that contract was signed. Does this make sense to us? So when you are coming before God and you are standing as a priest, God is expecting you to follow the contract. And that contract is already signed by the blood of speaking. So when I am standing as a priest before God and, and speaking on behalf of the people to God or myself, I am not saying, God, ah, see, oh, look at the way I have suffered from Lagos. I am also still here. It is good. It is wonderful. But when you are coming before the courts, who say your word said, ask me anything and I will do it. That is a contract. See, one of the things where you feel it's a bit offended at times, or I can feel it at times, you, know, you can you can see somebody that ah, see when people understand, when we begin to understand how the contract of God works, how the court system of God works, you discover that at times it's not only it's not only because I am good, God should have sent me. No. Because that contract, you know, when you, when you are in court and somebody comes in and you are crying, and the court will say, okay, please. They take that into consideration to say, you know, that person has shown remorse. But what matters most is what the contract says. Does this make sense to us? So as we, what God is saying to us, and that is why I feel these prayers are coming out, even as a nation, God is saying, where are my priests who approach me with the contracts and say, God, we have, you said that whenever we call upon your name, you would answer us. Lord, I, you have ratified this contract with your own blood. That was what Jesus was doing when he came to call his disciples together. He was saying, I am going basically to go and sign the contract for you. Does this make sense to us? So as we, as we come, so all we are saying today is that one, you have, God has given you a, a lot to be able to stand in the place of prayer. Can I also say that at times there are some cases that we stand two years, some we stand three years in court, but you will stand there because you know the case, the case can go. There are some cases that will stand just one minute. You will stand there, argue your case, you are out. Even the CNS will say, Oh, God, you do that after what does that mean? They were standing and there was a case that was being argued before heavens. And that is how the system of God works. May God grant us grace and strength 
in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we stand up and we call on God, upon God together, we are appearing before him as a priest. But you and I are a nation of priests by the blood of Christ. So we, we would, I just want to say, as we, we, we're going to just say we're prayers, we're going to have a couple of prayers today. And I trust that God would, uh, God will grant us grace and audience before Him in Jesus' name. Let us rise and praise. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.